This is why guidance counselors should be under the age of 30. <laughs> two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch. Hi. Hello. Welcome or welcome back to Bitch Watch. You found us, I guess. Again. <laughs> I guess, I guess again. Maybe they were searching for another thing with bitch in the title and they were like, I think this is it. They clicked on it. Yeah. And they're like, mm. they heard the cold open, the theme song, and yet they still stayed. Well, maybe by the time they heard the theme song, they were enticed enough to stay. Ooh, good point. Good point. But yeah, hi, it's Sly. And this is Witsy. And yeah, we are officially starting Freaks and Geeks this week. Yay! Round of applause. Ooh, um, friend, let me tell you what a breath of relief it is to be watching Freaks and Geeks after finishing Firefly. Yeah. I no longer feel, and I didn't realize this until it was over, I no longer feel like I'm holding my breath. <laughs> that bad? Yeah, uh, especially in the end, but... Uh, Mm-hmm. Dear listener, mm-hmm. you can listen to our last episode to hear what I mean by that. But um, it's just fun to watch this show. It is. I've been really getting the itch because we we took a good break between watching this and then when we're recording this now. And we even took a pretty good break. Not that the listener would know, but we took a pretty good mm-hmm. break between recording the last Firefly episode to recording this one. <laughs> Yeah, it took a lot out of us. I've um, made two. There was also I've made two road trips since we recorded last. I know you've been a busy little bee. I was gonna say that. I traveled five hundred miles one way, and then came back a couple of days later. Was home for a few days, and then I traveled not even two hundred miles to surprise mm-hmm. come see you. It wasn't a surprise, but yeah, it's a list. Yeah. It's a surprise to the listener. You knew I was coming. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't just she knock didn't on your spring door. It on me. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'd have been so pissed. Can you be like, I don't even have pants on, you dumb hobo. And I would not have put pants on. I would have said, you know what? This is what you wanted. This is what you asked for. I've always dreamed of visiting Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Are you saying that I have a honey problem or just that I don't wear pants? That you don't wear pants. (laughs) And I'm quite plump. Winnie the Pooh just has the shirt on. Yeah, that's me most of the time in my home. We got some some podcast things. We got something new in the works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've sort of teased it on our socials at this point, but we will be recording very, very soon with a, at least a guest. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be lining up a very, very, very exciting for me guest spot with someone I really admire in the podcasting space. But gotcha. we got to get through the first that's guest not, spot. That's not, our, that's not our first guest? No, no. Oh, uh, okay. The first Just checking. The first guess, you know, is fine. <laughs> the first guess is gonna They're fine. <laughs> it's fine. They're okay, I guess. But I'm like, laughing ugh. because the first guest is a listener and the first guest is gonna hear this unless Frank cuts it. Frank's not gonna cut this, are you kidding? No, I know. I'm excited for the first guest. Okay. But the second guest is I didn't think we would be able to obtain their presence on our show, at least not for a very, very long time. And then I was like, hey, like, this is my goal. And the person was like, hit me up. Well, I would be happy to guest. And I, uh, You freaked out. You were sending me videos. You were sending me text messages. You were crying. All at the same time. I was very excited. <laughs> Although, to the first guest, and the first guest knows uh, who they are at this point, but part of the visit of me coming up to CSLA, we... For our guest spot, are watching a movie instead of making a guest mm-hmm. try to watch many episodes of a TV show. Yeah, yeah. 
We're not going to make you do that. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, although it would have been preferred to the alternative of what we had to go through. That took, I think, 20 years off my life. Because we were trying to be gracious hosts, we allowed the yeah. guests to choose the movie that we watched. Never again. We're making we're a making list. We're making a list. Uh, <laughs> except for the esteemed guests. The esteemed guests could be like, I want you to go like... You're going to be watching the Wizard of Oz porn version. And I'll say, yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I cut in clips of that. Oh, wow. Does the stick go all the way up the scarecrow's ass? Wow. <laughs> But this first guest, uh, we decided to let them choose, and they went too far the wrong way with it. Not in the porn direction, but just, oh, this would be funny for the bitches to watch. Yeah. And uh, jokes on the guest, because the guest also has to watch this film. Get fucked. And I know at this point, as of recording, they have not watched it yet, so we're trying to be very, very vague. Because this episode drops uh-huh. before we record. We had a fantastic weekend, though. I was there for a night, and yeah. we got to see some cool sights, do some cool things. Mm-hmm. Went to Ikea, bought some cheap shit. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, we hung out. I made a new friend. I got to meet a dear, dear fun. internet friend. And then yeah. uh, we had some, I think, probably the best ice cream I've ever had in my entire life. I agree. I 110% agree. I, best dairy-free ice cream in, uh, I'll just say it, St. Louis. I've found thus far. Go to Jenny's. It's the shit. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a good time. And then that night came around and we watched it and we had had a few drinks and I had done some other stuff. Become one with nature. <laughs> I became one with nature. <laughs> Listen to the Stoner Chicks podcast now. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I remember waking up the next morning. Like I remember the movie. I wasn't like out of my mind blitz, no. but I woke up the next morning going did that happen? It's like when you drink too much and you just see flashes of like insanity and you're like, wait, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, I got a phone call the next morning from my husband who did not go with me on this trip up to your place. And yeah, I think yeah. he called me around 11, 1130. And he was like, oh, did you just wake up? You sound like you just woke up. And it was because my voice was like 2% hoarse from yeah. screaming for two hours <laughs> and four minutes, according to HBO Max. God, that fucking movie was the worst anyways moving on let's talk about something that is not the worst which is freaks and geeks yeah freaks and geeks has been amazing so far it's such a pleasure is just great to represent i feel like that point in time i'm a big fan of things like uh degrassi i like to go back and watch the really really like 80s old degrassi Mm -hmm. because it was it just kind of captured that time so well and uh and yeah, even the 2000s Degrassi. So I- I'm really enjoying this. Also, the fact that Linda Cardellini is in this. I love her. I love her. I really enjoy her character. And I knew Jason Siegel was in this show. See, I didn't. But that took a back seat because I came into this a little bit more excited to watch James Franco. <laughs> but it's totally switched. Yeah. I, I mean, because I, I do have a deep, deep deep love for Jason Siegel. As soon as like we saw him come in, I was like, that's right, he's in this. And I've been excited for him from, I think, like the opening shot. Yeah, and like every other word out of your mouth is, look how large he is. <laughs> look how large that man is. So in case you were wondering, listener, I did find myself another tall person to watch on this show. Don't worry. Yes. That's going to be a new uh, qualification of if I'll watch this show or not or enjoy this show. But yeah, so like I said, I'm really enjoying Freaks and Geeks so far. It's fun to watch. And I know we were, I don't want to say nervous or even hesitant, but there was a slight 
what if we get to watch the show and we hate it and we shit all over this very like highly held like cult classic and yes, i don't think we're there yes. no it's it's been lovely i don't see it going there the things that didn't age well were not that at the time if that makes any sense i'm not condoning it yeah but it's not like they maliciously set out no to do and there's only a couple things i didn't and it's not even like i don't want to say it isn't problematic but it isn't like the show that came before problematic yeah yeah definitely it's just I, yeah. it, it literally just says oh this was a different time we're not getting upskirt shots of what is supposed to be an underage linda cardellini right so episode one pilot before we kick this off i just wanted to mention that we're trying something a little bit different with freaks and geeks and this is a mixture of our notes as well as articles that i found on vulture and a few other blog spots just to make sure we didn't miss anything yeah. and i will be including links to everything in the show notes so in case you wanted to read a more in-depth actual analysis since we do more of a summary mm-hmm. you can find everything in the description of the episodes okay episode one pilot so the opening shot introduces us to the world of william mckinley high school panning from the practicing football players to a cheerleader and a quarterback and they're confessing their deep love and he said something super corny do you remember it? yeah what she was, was like i just love you and he said i'm scared by how much i love you or how yes, much you i love it. you scares me something to that effect yeah and she's like oh james or whatever his stupid name is whatever oh. his stupid uh, middle america white boy i would never find another man like you <laughs> anyways and they're hugging and making out on the bleachers but then the camera drops down to under the bleachers to our main characters or at least part of our main characters the freaks so there's daniel and he's the edgy bad boy and he's super hot and he's mocking his mother's insistence that they go to church every week and laughing at the priest's reaction when he uh turned up in i think it was like a judas priest shirt some band shirt that was really gory and gross we look at ken and he's irritated that daniel's telling the story about a t-shirt that was actually his before daniel stole it from him so that's all fun and games and then there is of course puppy dog eyes sweet baby angle nick Mm -hmm. pretending to be scandalized by daniel's story before launching into praise for led zeppelin and standing on the outside looking in through like a fenced off area is Lindsay weir she's really the main main character i feel we follow her and her brother majoritively mm-hmm. and this is of course linda cardellini's character and she is a straight a student but she's been a little different since her grandmother's death and i i just want to introduce something here we decided that it would be fun to make the joke of a teen show bingo card yeah one of those things we'll mention them as we go through but uh one of those things is someone's been acting a little different since so-and-so died yeah. like it's just as such a cliche i don't know if it was at the point of this being made but it's just such a cliche mm-hmm. um but she's wanting to join the freaks because she thinks they're very interesting yeah so like you said she's she and her brother kind of the main characters um yeah. her brother's sam and he is very very strongly within the geeks he's a freshman this year hey baby yeah we follow Lindsay as she's trying to straddle the world between freaks and geeks because like you said she's very i don't to say intrigued by the freaks like they're something to be studied but she's kind of trying to she's interested in their world you know she wants yeah, to be friends I'm by with intrigued them. i just mean like she's drawn to them as they're funny they're charismatic they look like they're having a good time they're a little bad they're different than what she's used to yeah 
Yeah. So as I mentioned, Sam is, I don't want to say the leader of the geeks, but he kind of is. You know, his friends always come yeah. to his house. and mm-hmm. But Sam is getting bullied. He and his best friends are Neil and Bill. And they're being terrorized by a bully named Alan who keeps singling Sam out for his clothes. At the very beginning, we see Lindsay come in and actually stand up to Alan. But neither Sam nor Alan appreciate when she does. Of course, Alan doesn't like being stopped from bullying a kid and Sam is embarrassed by Lindsay's protectiveness. But let's talk about Alan's hair for a second. Homeboy has a different haircut. Every other episode, yeah. So who should be getting bullied here? (laughs) So Lindsay has been raised to be a quote, good girl, end quote. No smoking and premarital sex because as her father warns at the dinner table, everyone he knew uh, who did these things ended up dead, which I think should be another (laughs) stamp on the bingo card, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Also, the good girl kind of wanting to go bad. Yeah. After this dinner, or at some point, Lindsay's upset in her room and Sam comes in to check on her. And she admits to her brother that all of this recent weirdness in her behavior is caused by the grandmother, as we mentioned. But what she actually reveals is she was at her grandmother's bedside as she died and there was no one else around. She said that as her grandmother was dying, she think if she could see anything waiting for her and there was no white light, no higher power beckoning her, there was nothing waiting for her on the other side. And this upset Lindsay because the grandmother lived a good life and was a good person and was met by nothing as she moved on. The next day at school, Daniel invites Lindsay to hang out with the freaks on the school's smoking patio and she tries to spar a little bit with Kim, who is Daniel's on-again and off-again girlfriend. Kim is played by Busy Phillips. It's really fun to see a young Busy Phillips. Yeah, I love her. She's super, super cute. She plays Kim very well. Yeah, I think the only thing I've actually seen Busy Phillips in, acting-wise, is probably White Chicks. Yeah, and I haven't seen that yet. So, put that on the list. If you would like to guest <sighs> on our show and you want to make Sly watch White Chicks, hit me up. Okay. <laughs> Bet. Let's do it. I can guarantee you it's better than the film we watched this weekend. Oh, I, dude, I can watch my dog take a shit in the yard and it's better than what we watched. (laughs) At least he does a good little cute dance. Hey, we got a cute dance in that one whole, in that whole film, we got one cute moment. We did, but it wasn't worth it because it is two people that I do not like. (laughs) Okay, Lindsay tries to spar with Kim about her presence among the freaks because Kim, I don't know, she says something and Kim retorts back and it goes back and forth and they go back and forth Lindsay says that she has as much right as you do and then we found another stamp for the bingo card i think this is what actually introduces the joke here we need to have stereotype bingo and what are you on your period would have been like the free space in the middle thanks feeling a little dejected by this situation she goes out to what would you, i guess the courtyard where she meets eli yeah yeah, she's somewhere yeah, outside and she is trying to convince this disabled classmate that he's actually being ridiculed by other classmates. He's talking and they're laughing at him and she hurts his feeling by calling him a word that we're not going to repeat on our show. I'll just say the R word, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this really hurts his feelings and he tries to run down the bleachers, ends up tripping and then we find out he broke his arm. Yeah, this is after some other kids were making fun of him earlier on in the episode and she asked him to go to the homecoming dance, right? Yeah, because 
because he kept asking girls if they'd go to the dance with him and they kept laughing at him. So Lindsay said, oh, will you go to the dance with me, Eli? Mm -hmm. And he said yes. And so it it was just really, really sad. Yeah. And she was just frustrated at this point Mm -hmm. with everybody. Not him, just everybody. Mostly Kim. Yeah. And then she's frustrated with everyone making fun of him. Then it moves over to Sam, who doesn't really understand why he's being targeted by Alan. Because he breathes. Yeah. (laughs) And they're in the cafeteria and Alan at this point has smashed some Twinkies. Bastard. Tells Sam, don't be such a girl or something. At this point, Sam calls out for a teacher and the teacher dismisses him. And there's a quote here about this uh, encounter in the cafeteria, Frank. As a woman, I know that's not a woman because I had a clocked in the fucking nose. (laughs) Yeah, you saw how Linda Cardellini ran that bitch off. Smash my Twinkies. Sticking around smash your fucking ding-dongs. Thanks. Sam also is feeling let down by Bill and Neil, his best friends, because they're not really wanting to help him with his bullying situation. Neil suggests, well, high school's only four years long. Just avoid him for four years. And... So after lunch, they move into gym. They find out that the sport they're going to be playing for a little while is dodgeball, which I feel like is another stamp for the bingo card. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can't have a show about high school and them not play dodgeball. With a bully. Yeah. Rope climbing also comes up, but not in this episode, but I feel like... Yep, that's their (laughs) turn. The geeks are standing against the back wall trying to hide behind other classmates as the more athletic team full of bulls are just pummeling people down with dodgeballs. Some large boys over there yeah. that's all i'm gonna say bill's genius suggestion is just to try and bow out and get hit with balls early so they can just lose and not have to deal with alan ultimately bill neil and sam decide well there's three of us and alan is only one person so the three of us should just fight him together and it does eventually cut forward and you see that bill and neil are waiting to face the bully and they're waiting on <laughs> sam waiting on sam and sam never shows up but alan does and as bill and neil are actually fighting the bully they are joined by another friend, another geek, who I think we find out in a later episode is a year older than them, Harris. The three of them take down Alan together, and it was choreographed like a dance in which everyone's wearing blindfolds, I, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> you got a couple of geeks like swinging on his arms, pulling him down. You had another yeah. person wrap around his leg. It was ridiculous. Bro, when long Bill, because Bill's long, mm-hmm. right? He's a tall boy. When he jumped on his back and he was just like hanging off of him, but he's like double his height. <laughs> I was dying. I was absolutely dying. So the three of them are actually fighting this bully and it cuts back to the school where Sam is very awkwardly asking his crush Cindy to the homecoming dance. She says she already has a date but she would save a dance for him that evening yeah and then he just he doesn't make it <laughs> god bless him to the fight no yeah yeah you know he doesn't really make it to the fight no it was really funny when he walked up because all of the boys are just covered in dust and dirt and like their shirts ripped and he's like did you fight him and they're like yeah we kicked his ass <laughs> <laughs> like they really did something and to i this think man. all they did was slightly rip a hole in his shirt beneath the collar yeah, and that's what pissed him off and so he left <laughs> yeah it was so dumb. But anyways, after an awkward session with the school counselor, Mr. quote unquote called me Jeff Rosso, which gives me such, he gives me weird vibes. I don't like him. I know he's supposed to be that likable teacher, but like. Yeah. And based on research, when I was trying to find actual other notes and analysis for this, this actor is known for this. Like this is his big credit. Yeah, yes. So maybe something terrific's gonna happen in the next block or the block after that we're gonna be like whoa no mr rosso's great right now he gives me Mm -hmm. the don't get in his van vibes 
Yeah. Or probably what he had then was a hatchback. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> with that with that long mullet, balding mullet. Yeah, it was a lot. I'm good. So after an awkward session with the school counselor, Mr. Call Me Jeff Rosso, Lindsay decides to cut school with Nick, who brings her to his house to show her his giant 29-piece drum set. And when I saw this, I immediately said, yep. Tanner. Yep, that's Tanner. That's Tanner. <laughs> My fiance, in case you don't know, he is a drummer. And yeah, it's just a really cute moment. And then he mentions Neil Peart and how he wants to be this famous drummer. And it's really cute. But Mr. Rosso ends up finding them when they're walking back and blackmails Lindsay to work at the punch table at the homecoming dance for him to not call her parents and to tell them what she was up to. Yeah, and he's also trying to convince her to rejoin the mathletes because she's broken yeah. away from that. Which after seeing the freaking teacher later on. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be on the mathletes either. Mm-hmm. Screw that guy. So yeah, they compromise it working the punch table for one night versus rejoining a whole team. Yeah. And Frank, there is a quote about the Mr. Rosso's vehicle. Not from you, creepy. He's the kind of friend who's got a fucking van with no windows. <laughs> <laughs> and an oddly large toolbox in the back. Multiple locks on that toolbox. Thanks. And there is also one more quote about Nick sneaking away in the background <laughs> while Mr. Rosso and Lindsay are having this deep conversation. Is he smoking? He's smoking. <laughs> He's like sneaking away in the background like a fucking Yeti. Thanks. That was a highlight for me. Oh, yeah. I want a gif of just that. Yeah. Like where it zooms in on him in the background. It starts off on a high note with that clip alone. Just him like does. trying to walk off. It's like, oh, don't be suspicious. <laughs> don't be suspicious. Literally, <laughs> it literally is the don't be suspicious walk, except it actually isn't suspicious. But it kind of is because he's like leaning into it. <laughs> That's how that man walks this entire show. Okay, good point. So Sam ends up attending the homecoming dance and asks Cindy for the dance that she said that she would save for him. But it's not the slow body-to-body dance that uh, he wanted. And instead, it turns out to be to Styx's Come Sail Away. Uh, And it kicks into its up-tempo portion right as he gets Cindy to the gym dance floor. But they still have a good time anyway. Which, whoever scored this show did a fantastic Mm -hmm. job. Absolutely. Lindsay is then moved by her little brother's bravery and is inspired too asking Eli to dance as a way to apologize to him for her previous actions and his accident. The episode ends on Sam and Cindy's and Lindsay and Eli's smiles, wider and wider, getting lost in the crowd as the camera swoops over the packed room and they dance the night away. Now, before we move on, can we talk about just very, the briefest of brief, what a perfect pilot this was? Yeah, like I know everyone in this. I know what they're doing. I know who they are. I know why they're here. Mm Mm-hmm. Other than Ken, but Ken is just that guy you went to high school with that was stoned out of his mind all the time. Yeah. Because he wasn't even there. And it does draw you in to want to watch more. Yeah. And it isn't a, wait, what the hell is this? Who's the, why? Mm-hmm. There's no, the only question you, I feel like you ask yourself after watching this pilot is, when can I watch the next episode? Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I genuinely would rewatch this entire show again. Yeah. I know we haven't even finished it. So moving on to episode two, Beers and Weird. 
years. So the episode opens on breakfast in the Weir home. Some time has passed. It isn't clear. That's like the only thing that I have to say about the show. And this isn't even a con because it, I'm just saying mm-hmm. some time has passed. And you only really know that because tensions have smoothed over within the family. There have been a lot of, I don't want to hear this story back and forth within the first episode mm-hmm. that we didn't mention because it's just teenager to parent conflict. But everything's cool, calm, and collected. And when Mr. and Mrs. Weir announced they will be going out of town for the weekend, I believe they're going to Chicago. The show takes place in a suburb of Detroit. So Lindsay is able to convince them not to hire a babysitter because she's old enough to look after herself and Sam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When she gets to school that morning, Lindsay finds Nick sadly bumbling through the hallways. He's devastated after the passing of John Bonham, though, as Lindsay notes, the passing has already been a week prior to this, but <laughs> Nick just can't handle this. And that comes back mm-hmm. up later. But after some reverse psychology from Kim and the realization that Daniel is single after Kim has dumped him that morning, Lindsay agrees to having a secret party while her parents are out of town. Daniel, little manipulative hole, is even able to convince Lindsay to turn the party into a kegger. He didn't have to do much to convince her. I'll say that. No, not at all. So yeah, Daniel starts collecting money for beer and Nick offers to pay Lindsay's share because she's the host and shouldn't have to pay but really as we start to see Nick's got a gigantic crush on her and it's the absolute cutest it is I love Uh, them Daniel starts spreading the word about the party to everyone at school, even even people Lindsay doesn't particularly like. And he even invites older people who Lindsay doesn't even know, like his old cousin Jimmy and his old friends. Oh, it's like, like that? Those guys were crazy. It was awful. There was always that yeah. dude at the party and you're like, bro, you are too damn old to be here. <laughs> too damn old! The camera pans over to the geeks and they're looking on as the freaks are making plans for the party. Neil is really upset that they're going to have this party. He's really upset that Lindsay is starting to mix with this crowd. Fraternizing with the freaks. Yeah. And after Sam walks off, Bill confronts Neil about his feelings for Lindsay. And Neil says that he doesn't have feelings for her. She's just a close friend's sister, but it's obvious that he's had a crush on her for a long time. So then we cut to a drug and alcohol awareness assembly where the freaks are completely bored, out of their mind. And they just start joking around and making fun of what's going on on stage. There's just like an improv team that are acting out drunken scenarios and giving people keys. I don't know. It's a whole thing. It's dorky. I'd have made fun of it too, to be fair. It was very, it was very awful of, do you want a beer? No, I do not want a beer. I am the designated driver. Good choice. It was just very like, I'm getting in my car and driving home. No, stop. You're drunk. Give me your keys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hands keys over thank you for saving my life and have you ever had to wrestle the keys out of a drunk person's hand it is the scariest shit <laughs> because they have superhuman strength at that point they do they have unlocked their full brain and muscular potential <laughs> they ain't scared of shit especially not you no no they will take you they don't know what they're doing they will take you down with those keys <laughs> yeah no joke drags you into the car puts keys and ignition you're just flailing <laughs> slapping into the windshield and the dash i'm pretty sure that's almost happened to me if before. i'm going out i'm taking you with me for just trying to take my uh, keys you bitch <laughs> basically <laughs> of course sam and the geeks are terrified of this upcoming party because they think that Lindsay is just gonna die so then we cut to seeing daniel and he's talking Lindsay into cutting from assembly early and he whispers in her ear count to 10 and come mm-hmm. and uh frank there's a quote here where are we going i don't care does it matter? I don't... Just isolate. I want to isolate just that sound audio and play that in my ear when I'm alone in my bunk. 
James, God. <laughs> Count to ten and then come. Yes, Don't sir. Don't tell me twice. I'll make it to two. I'll make it to two and be ready. Oh no, I'm feeling a little bratty. Let's mix it up a little bit. Thanks. Bruh. And there's also a quote here about the counselor and the whole improv team just being lame AF. Take it from me. I was super unpopular in high school. One, because I wasn't drinking. It's because girls kept finding me hanging out in the women's toilet. Were you there? <laughs> Thanks. Of course we had to roast that man. Of course. Did you see his hair? <laughs> After the assembly, the geeks decide to crash the party to watch over Lindsay. And Bill tries to get out of it so he can stay home and watch Dallas because he is very, very invested in his Dallas. And he insists he will watch Dallas at the Weir home regardless of what is going on and transpiring. The next morning, Lindsay helps her parents get their luggage in the car, shooing them out the door so she can get ready for this party, and her mother shows her all the leftovers that they can eat. And before they leave, Mr. Weir tells Lindsay to call the gas company if the water heater makes a weird smell again. (laughs) And he doesn't want to, quote, come home to a couple of dead kids. Uh, And that there's 50 bucks on the table. Yeah, his priorities are way out the window. Yeah, (laughs) they're a little skewed. So then at school, Lindsay is upset when Sarah pulls her out of class. Sarah is actually Janice Ian from Mean Girls, Mm -hmm. which I thought it was maybe a sister. No, it is Janice freaking Ian. Pulls her out of class saying, oh my gosh, there was an emergency in Chicago and you need to come right away. There's an emergency phone call. And Lindsay is in a complete panic until she gets down the stairs and Nick grabs her and she's like, I gotta get to the phone. My parents might be dead. And he's like, no, we, we just got you out of class. Mm-hmm. And then he like, thanks, Sarah. Lindsay is so relieved when she realizes that it was all just a ruse from Nick. He tells her that the plan is to cut class so they can go buy a keg for the kegger later on. I, I just have to say really quickly, it was this moment where I realized when he thanks Sarah, mm-hmm. he's like, I like your necklace or he says cute necklace or something mm-hmm. as she's walking off to go, you know, fuck off or whatever. Go be Janice Ian. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was within that moment where I went, oh, no, 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 for sure. Nick's the kid that I would have had the crush on in school. You know, I feel like calling him an overgrown puppy dog is spot on for his character. Yeah. And just the like, that personality of just very friendly and happy-go-lucky kind of guy, you know. Whenever you have a golden retriever puppy, they don't realize they're that big and Uh they're just kind of like figuring it out. Yeah, that's him. Uh, yeah and it's yeah it's shoved into a person and this is totally the kid i would have had a crush on in high school for sure yeah so anyways at lunch the geeks come up with a plan to try to ruin the party and bill suggests buying non-alcoholic beer and swapping out the kegs which is one of the most original ideas i've ever heard in my life and I love I it. I don't know that I've ever seen that portrayed on a show or movie. Me either. And I was I didn't see that coming Mm-mm. at all. I saw maybe the kids trying to drink all the beer before the teenagers got there, but I did not foresee the the non-alcoholic keg swap. Yeah. I, and I also didn't I'll just go ahead and say I didn't see it going over so smoothly either. Exactly. <laughs> It was hilarious. It was brilliant. This is just a stroke of genius. And so they end up actually using Neil's bar mitzvah money because he's in love with Lindsay and he wants to save Lindsay. So Lindsay ends up buying a bunch of snacks and she decorates the house with a variety of psychedelic posters. And there's one very interesting unicorn one. And Frank, there's a quote here. That unicorn had pink sparkly pubes. Go back. Oh my God. It does. Thank you. What the hell? Who? Who thought that was okay? Whomst? 
I'm also not the only one that's commented on that. I saw it a lot really? in the places where I was pulling summaries. Great. Okay. I'm glad. One person included their blog that the uh, unicorn bush was interesting or something. That effect, <laughs> and I laughed a lot. Oh, God bless them. And so while Lindsay is prepping for the party, Neil distracts her and the other two make the keg swap. And it is so clean. Neil's playing it. He's like blocking doorways and he's flirting with her a little bit, but not too much. And Bill and Sam are just dropping shit everywhere and then ends up they they put the tap in the non-alcoholic one and it sprays on bill's pants poor kid (laughs) it looks like bill pissed himself about the time Lindsay comes out (laughs) and she's like oh oh go get something of sam's (laughs) yeah as if teeny tiny sam's pants would fit big boy bill Oh, long boy, Bill. He wasn't big. He's just long. like a damn green bean. Also, I would like to say I looked up this actor. Homeboy. He did all right for himself is all I'm going to say. What? Yeah. Wow. Chef's chef's kiss to Mr. Bill there. Get a little stretch here for the marathon of this party. At this party, a bunch of shit goes down. At the very beginning, Lindsay is very embarrassed when Daniel, Nick, and Ken show up and they're all impressed by her home. And at some point a little bit later in this evening, but I'm going to skip to it here, she's uncomfortable when she finds Daniel in her room examining all of her academic awards and trophies, but ultimately is pleased when he starts praising her about how smart she is. And one of the pictures, she says that it's really dorky that she was a mathlete. And he says, oh, I don't think it was dorky. Look how happy you are here. And she's starting Mm -hmm. to uh, buy into this. And as soon as this conversation went down, you're right. This is the moment where I went, Mm -hmm. he's a manipulative asshole. I hate him. So later into the evening at this party, Bill is sitting alone in Sam's room with the actual keg of beer. Watching Dallas. Yeah, watching Dallas. (laughs) He getting lit watching Dallas, baby. His curiosity about what beer tastes like overcomes him. And so he starts tasting it and it involves in him just getting absolutely smashed alone. I don't know how much of this keg he put away, but... He got pretty drunk in this room. Yeah. It's kind of fun because the camera pans through the party and you see some of the different teenagers realizing that the beer tastes weird. One of them even chalks it up to they think that Daniel bought like crappy beer and pocketed the Uh extra money. More and more people start pretending to act drunk. And so they see each other acting drunk and it just becomes a whole thing of like, look drunk so you fit in with everybody else. Although. And also the placebo Mm -hmm. effect. Yeah really takes over. This soon leads to a house full of, quote, drunk teenagers. Lindsay starts kind of bumping around from room to room and she walks into her room and she's devastated when she sees that Daniel and Kim are not only back together, but they're hooking up on her bed. I would have beat the ever-loving shit out of somebody. Out of both of them. Yeah, both of them. (laughs) Like, I don't know which one I grabbed first, but... Kim, she's got hair. You pull her back off with Daniel. It's a, I got a whole plan. Yeah, but Daniel's the one I'd be more pissed at. Right, but he was on the bottom, so you would have to start with Kim. Like I said, she's very upset. She ends up stumbling outside, and she finds cutie cutie Nick leaning against his car. She complains about Daniel and Kim, and he, at this point, do you think he's acting drunk or do you think he's stoned? I think he's acting drunk. He, It's clear that he's acting drunk. Okay. Because a lot of the notes I see, they're like, well, yeah, he's obviously very high here. And I'm like, well, we don't actually, are we to assume he's yeah. just high all the time? Which that's fine. It's just, I don't know this information. So I was so Nothing gave me the context clue that that's what was going down. Okay. So I, because he's been acting goofy this whole time from the beer. Mm-hmm. Beer, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. So that's why I didn't like this part as much. Yeah. So she's complaining about Daniel and Kim. 
Nick says, well, what are you going to do? They, they, you know, they break up all the time and laughs it off. Lindsay's, again, very, very upset. Nick says, come here. And he wraps his big old arms around her, brings her in for a hug. And he says that you know, he doesn't want her to be upset and he will stick around and help her clean up after the party. Mm-hmm. And she feels relieved by this and she leans into the hug and she's just kind of having a moment as she feels his hands come up her back and try to unhook her bra. Frank, there's a quote here <laughs> about this uh, attempted bra unhooking. Wife that man. Wife that man right now. I need to leave. Never mind. Divorce that man. He's not even drunk is the bad part. Okay, so they're both fuckboys. Got it. Mm. Got it. One's still worse than the other. One's fucking a bitch in your bed. (laughs) One tried to help you get comfortable and get out that bra. He wasn't trying to make a boo water. He was trying to make her relax. I'm canceling you myself. That argument doesn't (laughs) hold up in court, but it's something. Thanks. I would have. I'd have cut his hands off too. So Lindsay storms back inside and she knows she can't go to her room because of course Daniel and Kim are in there. (laughs) So she ends up storming into her parents' room. Neil sees her come in and sees that she's upset and follows her back into her parents' room. He is the only person who volunteers to help Lindsay in this despair over the party. And unlike Nick, he actually does. He offers to call the police because Lindsay says she can't because she doesn't want to see him uncool in front of everybody. So he says he'll call the police. So he walks over and he picks up the phone and does an impression of an old man. I'm tired. I'm old. I got to work tomorrow and gets the party dismissed. Why didn't they just fake that the cops were called instead of actually calling the cops and risking them calling her parents. They're children. Who knows? Neil comes out, tells everyone that the cops are coming and everyone starts clearing out. Sam is next to Ken at this point and says, you know, you don't have to run off. The beer, the beer was non-alcoholic. And Ken goes, mm-hmm. oh, I know. I won $87 and quarters because he knew <laughs> yeah. he was taking advantage of everyone else being fake wasted. Yeah. Even Lindsay. It was pretty funny. Yeah. The episode ends with Lindsay urging actually drunk Bill to get up off the floor so he doesn't choke on his own vomit and says, that's how the drummer from Led Zeppelin died. So it loops back to the beginning. And I like that episode a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, it was very different because as soon as you hear, oh, the parents are going into town, of course you know that a party's going to happen because uh, mm-hmm. bingo card. I naturally assumed right at the top that the parents were going to come home for something and yes, crash this party because yeah. that's also bingo card but mm-hmm. it was a pleasant surprise that they didn't come home and the party went off without a hitch yeah and i really loved the part where sam was squirreling away the valuables <laughs> and the breakables in the parents room that cracked me up that was the most me thing i've ever seen in a small boy some of the stuff that he picked up looked like it probably weighed more than he did and yeah, he's like trying to pick God two or three him. things up at a time and i'm like wouldn't it be funny if like he tripped and dropped them all anyway but no crazy antics like that happened. Episode three, Tricks and Treats. So the episode opens at the warehouse, of course, because they're the main characters, duh, with Bill taking a challenge and accepting a challenge. All of this for $10. All of this for $10. So basically he has the other boys. A lot of shit is out on the cabinet there. It's like pickles and jam and maple syrup and anchovies and like everything in the kitchen sink he says for ten dollars he'll drink so much of whatever they make and so he gets on a blindfold the other boys sam and neil mix up mustard cayenne pickle juice salt sardines vinegar soy sauce canned chili jelly dairy creamer and after dinner mints so i guess at least it's something minty to wash it down and after bill takes a gulp of this it stops and it's like everyone's holding their breath and then bill says 
but I'm in bed. And he just keeps drinking it. And the other boys are just disgusted. Absolutely. They are like, we're done. This was not worth the $10. Like throws it at him and then runs out. So then we cut to Lindsay waiting for the bus. And Millie, who is her nerdy friend, you can tell they were on the mathletes together. And Millie just does not get Lindsay's fascination with the freaks. And... (laughs) She just, I don't know, she's just very awkward. But I kind of like her, actually. (laughs) Yeah, she's an interesting plot device of... She was on the improv team, and then she started singing hymns at the party in the last episode. Like, Yeah. She's she's an interesting plot device to just remind Lindsay and to show the the audience of what Lindsay used to be. Yeah. And she just comes in kind of like a bee. Yeah. And Millie and Lindsay are waiting at the bus stop. She's addicted to this type of fun dip. It's called Lickamade, I believe, which makes my spit taste like fruit juice in her words. Lindsay gives her grief for eating candy that early in the morning. And she's like, it's fine. And her teeth are like stained green, I think, or whatever color it was yeah and uh as the queen taylor swift once said damn it's 7 (laughs) a.m like literally the words out of Lindsay's mouth but anyways so daunted by his freshman english teacher we cut over to sam the english teacher's assignment is crime and punishment and then he's inspired and is loving his life when his mother jean is singing monster mash and he sings along and they do a dumb lisp and it's like a whole thing so sam decides that he will end up going trick-or-treating after all after giving like so much pushback about it because again he just doesn't want to grow up he just wants to stay a boy forever and eventually convinces bill and neil and harris to join him so as gort from the day the earth stood still groucho marks the bionic woman which tall boy bill dresses the bionic woman was insane that montage moment of the three of them getting ready independently and uh harris is a guy with a knife in his head the four of them set off for the night and are nearly almost immediately disappointed. Different parents who are accompanying their younger children keep staring at them. One lady almost refuses to give them candy because they aren't you a little old, which at this point I'm like, I kind of see what they're saying. And of course, Alan shows up and tries to challenge them to another fight. And it's just the whole thing. It cuts over to the freak's car with Daniel at the wheel. Kim is in the front seat with him and Nick and Lindsay are in the back seat. And Lindsay was a little surprised to find out that Kent was going to be fifth wheeling in the back seat with them. But here we are. The teens take turns running out and smashing neighborhood pumpkins and then they turn into smashing people's mailboxes. The night kind of hits a very quick end when they come up on a group of people that they're going to throw eggs at and Lindsay realizes all too late that the people they are throwing eggs at are the geeks and she absolutely nailed her little brother. Yeah, they pelted him. And I think it's a really cool contrast to how she was supposed to be spending the night which was handing out candy with her mom. Yeah. Or handing out cookies with her mom. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that this is set the time period that it is. You know, what did you, like, Mm -hmm. 80, did you say 81 or something, I think, when we looked it up? I think so. Like, 80, 81. Um, So her mom, at this point, has been making homemade cookies all day long that she thinks she's going to hand out, even though I feel like we know from our time, like, our generation, you don't accept handmade things, you don't accept unwrapped candy, all all sorts of things. Like, unless you know them. Right. Or fruit because of razor blades or drugs or this or something. So this is interesting to show that like cap of when that shift started. Yeah, even though I think the thing that started all of that 
panic was actually a father who drugged his own child and killed him. Yeah, I don't remember. I could be incorrect, but I think I think it was like the actual dad had like loaded up a pixie stick and tried to kill his child or did kill his child. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of fucked up. The cookies thing made me sad because no one would take the cookies. Yeah. They start driving off and Lindsay realizes that it's her brother. So she tells Daniel to, you know, let her out and he refuses to let her out. But he does end up like driving the car in reverse all the way back down the block. So Lindsay can't apologize. But Bill and Neil see the car coming back and they think that they're coming back around to finish them off. (laughs) And she tries to apologize to Sam and the three of them end up, excuse me, the four of them end up running off. And Lindsay feels really shitty in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Lindsay has the guys take her home because she's like, ah, my parents are going to kill me. So she gets home and she tries to apologize again to Sam and he tells her, quote, nobody thinks you're cool. You know that, right? To which she responds, trust me, I know. (laughs) And he's just so pissed and upset. He walks inside and the mom is just sickened. What, what delinquents would do this? What kind of evil people would do this? And the whole time he's staring Lindsay down, Sam is staring Lindsay down and- He says, freaks, I think, is what he tells the parents. And then he runs off to go upstairs. So he doesn't end up flipping on her. But the episode closes with Lindsay donning a prince costume. It kind of looked like almost Robin (laughs) Hood-esque. Like, it was really bizarre. And it's because the shop gave them the wrong outfit. And she goes ahead and helps her mother finish handing out candy that she had to send the dad to the store to get because no one wanted her cookies. I would eat those cookies. I'll take the chance. Yeah, sure. We'll be right back after a quick break. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gag Me With The Spoon, The Other Half Of The Battle, and Chant With The Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes! Episode 4, Kim Kelly is my friend. I think this might be my favorite episode. I thought it was interesting, and I mentioned this to you this weekend. I -hmm. found out when I was preparing the notes that this episode wasn't originally aired. Which is bizarre to me. So when you watch this, episode four was the next one of Tests and Breasts. Isn't that so odd that they would let something like Tests and Breasts go on there, but not in like a look at an abusive family that probably so many kids yeah. were living in they thought it was i don't remember the exact word too volatile yeah they thought it was it was a bit much it was too jarring for what they were trying to portray so yeah i don't know when it eventually came out or when that changed mm-hmm. but this episode is needed because again mm-hmm. even even within the title it says kim kelly is my friend and this shows the shift of mm-hmm. why Lindsay and kim are friends because even yeah. the next episode and then the the last episode in this block they are friends all of a sudden and i would yes. imagine 
imagine as an original viewer, it would be confusing of, well, what the hell happened here? You know? Yeah, like, why are y'all pals now? The fuck? Some, some shit went down. But the episode opens with Millie trying to bring donuts to her French class and she gets stopped by Daniel and Nick in the hallway and she reluctantly lets them take a donut. And as she's trying to scurry off and make her way to class, Kim and her friend Karen. Of course her name's Karen. <laughs> played by a baby, baby, baby Rashida Jones, which uh, Rashida Jones also played Karen on The Office. So in my head, I'm like, yeah, no, no, this tracks. This Karen <laughs> grew up and moved to Pennsylvania and uh, was... Uh, a a wrench in the Jim Pam relationship. But anyways, actually that makes a lot of sense. So Kim and her friend Karen bump into Millie and it causes her to drop this box of donuts and she runs off upset. But this doesn't stop the boys and Kim from grabbing donuts off the floor and eating them. Karen storms off after calling Millie a freak, or not a freak, I guess, but calling her a geek. And Mm -hmm. Daniel's like, well, what got into her? And Kim laughs it off and informs the boys that Karen's boyfriend dumped her. Something to the effect of she got dumped that morning. Mm -hmm. Then it cuts over to another section of the hallway as the geeks are making their way over to Sam's locker. And on his way, he's accidentally hit by a boy who's flexing biceps for his girlfriend. Sam makes his way all the way to his locker and mistakenly tries to open the wrong one. And it happens to be Karen's who's right next to his. While he's trying and failing to get into this locker, Neil is telling the other two about this quote amazing chemistry start that he received in the mail from his older brother. Sam is panicking because he can't get into his what he thinks is his locker and Karen and Kim arrive at this point and start accusing Sam of trying to break into Karen's locker. It was very rash. Yeah. Karen starts bullying him, takes out lipstick and writes geek on his locker so he can't forget which one's his again. Yeah, it was a lot. At lunch, Kim is filling Daniel in on the gossip behind Karen's breakup and Lindsay strolls up halfway during the story and she asks, so who walked in on who? And Kim accuses her of being too gossipy and sticks her finger in Lindsay's. Uh, And annoyed, Lindsay moves to a different table. Nick follows her and tries to get her to come back and he says, you know, it sucks there without you. And she says that she doesn't want to get the abuse all day. She just can't handle it. She's over it. Nick says that he'll talk to Kim because it's cool and she hangs out over there. Because, of course, he's got a kissy, kissy, cushy, cushy on It's her. so cute. It is. So back to Sam. He wipes the lipstick off his locker and Karen storms down the hallway about that time, angry as fudge about it. Sam says that he doesn't want to have to fight her. But he'll punch a girl in the face. And she says that she'll use geek blood to remark the locker if that transpires. Frank, there's a quote here. You know what this show would be if this was adults? This is how we would find out she was a dom. Thanks. Tell me I'm wrong. You can't. No, you're not wrong. And that's the creepy part. (laughs) So Lindsay and Daniel wait in the hallway as Kim yells at her mom on the payphone that's in the high school. A payphone. Yeah, it's the 80s. It's crazy. Setting the scene for the rest of this episode, which is about to get crazy. It turned up to 10 real quick. Yeah, so as the bell rings, Kim and Lindsay walk towards their next classes. Lindsay's very uneasy as to why Kim is suddenly being nice to her. Yeah, I have to say, I, I do appreciate that about Lindsay and Linda Cardellini, but you see what she's thinking. She's very- ex- Oh, she's an amazing she's actress. She's very, very expressive in her face. She's amazing. At the next bell ring, Bill is waiting for Sam to come out of class. As Karen has written pygmy geek on his locker. (laughs) However, at this point, he's called by a teacher as he's holding a similar black marker in his hand. Uh, This teacher is fed up that he's defacing school property 
and assigns him to write a 500-word essay about school property and how he's to respect it due to the next day. Which, why would you write Pygmy Geek on your own locker? To be ironic, I guess. Like, if you, for whatever reason, if that was your nickname to, like, I don't know why you would call yourself that, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, why would you call... He didn't even know what the word Pygmy meant. After school, Lindsay's on her way out, and she is stopped by Kim, who asks if she would like to have dinner at her house that evening. As you had mentioned earlier... She's very put off by this all of a sudden niceness, you know, and even says, did Nick ask you to be nice to me? And Kim says, yes. But she also (laughs) figured since they have to see each other so often, they might as well try to get along. And so Lindsay does accept the invitation to dinner. Kim says she'll pick her up later that evening or that afternoon. It cuts over to the Weir's house and you see Sam start eating basically everything he can get his hands on within the kitchen as the mother is preparing dinner. And Lindsay informs her or breaks the news that she will not be joining them for dinner, that she's going to be eating at a friend's house that night. And dips out the door before her parents can say anything. Mm -hmm. Kim is outside and she picks up Lindsay. And Kim tells Lindsay, as they pull up to her house, how she has used her as a cover for where she runs off to late at night in the weekends, saying that Lindsay has a vacation home up at the lake. It is very sudden. The parents are coming out about this time. Lindsay cannot ask questions and they just kind of have to get out and go inside for dinner. But Kim also tells Lindsay that her mother wants to sell her car but her deceased aunt is the one that left it to her so she has no right to do so but that's why she needs a cover so over dinner it's revealed just how volatile kim's home life really is it is a complete shit show there's not even full-on walls on this place her mother is verbally abusive and demeaning towards her she has an older brother who just basically lives on their couch because he was in an accident which i'm not blaming him for it and then her stepfather is illiterate and physically and verbally abusive if you can call his vocabulary big enough to be abusive um (laughs) and Yeah, it's basically their house is being held together with plastic sheeting. It's so, so sad. Lindsay is trying to answer questions that Kim's mom is grilling her with about the fake vacation home. And tensions finally hit the roof as the two girls have to run out of the house as they're being chased by the mom and the dad. Basically... The dad grabs Kim. Kim throws Lindsay the car keys. Lindsay runs outside, locks the door, the car. Then Kim comes running out, has to unlock the door for Kim. But the dad is trying to beat down Lindsay's window. And then, like, Kim has to peel out. It's so, 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 so bad. Currently at the Weir home, the geeks are sitting on the floor to play with Neil's chemistry set. As Sam struggles to write the essay, the three start arguing about who's the biggest geek. And Neil and Sam start wrestling, you know, teenage boys stuff. And then they fall to the floor and break some of the test tubes. And they start smoking and burning the carpet. And it's a whole thing. So Kim, in a huff, then drives up to a park and sees Daniel talking with Karen and shove his thumb in her mouth as she, like, seductively, like, Likes it or something. Kim freaking freaks out, drives her car through the park, through the grass, over the sidewalks, straight at him, through the basketball court, and is just screaming out the window the whole time. And Lindsay's just held hostage in the passenger seat, like, oh my God, this is how I die. Oh my God. So, so after this, they end up going to the Weir house where Kim finally just breaks down and Lindsay like is her only friend. She explains all this to her and that Daniel is the nicest guy she knows, which, oh my God, Jesus Christ, girl, get better friends, get better people you want to smash. And that she has to be a bitch because of the circumstances in her life, which 
Yeah, that is a very popular coping mechanism. The Weir family end up inviting Kim to stay for dinner. And it's really awkward as Kim is trying and failing to hold it together. But she's just a little too crass for their vibe. She like is trying to cry, but not cry. And she's awkwardly holding a knife like she's never held proper silverware before. Yeah. And she finally goes, Mr. Weir, you're a guy. Do guys only care about sex like in the middle of dinner and it just <laughs> and she's she's yeah. very upset about Daniel. And then also during this dinner, Sam completely overeats and has to run out of the room to presumably be ill. The dad goes, What a waste of perfectly good veal. <laughs> Yeah, like his priorities about his children, like being sick. His son is actively developing an eating disorder before his very eyes. And he's, <laughs> he's like, this like, kid's gonna chuck up good veal. How dare he? After all of this has gone down, Nick ends up showing up and tells Kim that Daniel's outside and that she needs to go talk to him. She says, I don't want to talk to him. And Nick's like, you need to go talk to him. Otherwise, he's just gonna come in here and that's not gonna be good. And then even the weird parents are in on it at this point. And they're like, yeah, go talk to him. Go talk they to him. They house. just want her. They're like, get the fuck out of my house lady you're crazy (laughs) she storms off and ends up in sam's room accidentally sam finally fesses up to his contempt that he holds for her and karen because he's laying in there feeling like crap and he's just over it and kim says that karen's no longer her friend and she's dead meat tomorrow because she's messed with the wrong person this time and uh kim's gonna be true to her word on that one so very cutely nick is trying to have a little cute little private moment in the hallway oh. with Lindsay, who's very stressed and starts massaging her shoulders and he's like really into this and she's like okay like i'll let this happen not anything bad but enjoy this massage or whatever uh she's trying to calm down because she is very i mean she's she's a 10 tightly wound yeah yeah she almost died (laughs) she was almost wrapped up in one of those sheets of plastic and buried in their backyard next to their hamster (laughs) dropped into a lake okay yeah so he's massaging her shoulders about the time that daniel just lets himself into this house at the back entrance (laughs) of the kitchen as mrs weir is putting away leftovers (laughs) and frank there's a quote here about daniel (laughs) I wouldn't be calling for my husband if I saw James Franco sneaking in my back door. Be like, I'd be like, Harold, he didn't answer. Oh no! Oh no! Flops out on the dining room table. <laughs> There's a full spread for dinner, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you like eating sushi off of women's bodies? I don't got sushi. You'll have to skip the appetizer. <laughs> Go for the main course. Thanks. So Daniel is standing cool in the kitchen. Kim does eventually come out and she's like slapping and beating into his chest repeatedly. And he just sits there and takes it and he tells her that he didn't cheat on her. And at this point, the weirs, all of the weirs, except for Sam, I think Sam just stayed in his room, right? Yeah, Sam was not being a part of this, I don't think. So the Weirs and Nick back out of the room to give them some space. And in the living room, Nick introduces himself to Mr. and Mrs. Weir and tells them that Lindsay, quote, came out great. (laughs) Mrs. Weir announces that she wants to see a happy ending, which I don't like the choice of words there. (laughs) Right. But she wants to see a happy ending of the disgruntled lovebirds. She walks back into the kitchen and sees that Kim is sitting up on the counter and Daniel's standing between her legs and they're like violently making out. It was a sight to behold for everybody involved it was something the episode ends the next day at school and sam turns in the essay to the teacher the teacher walks it over intending to display it on his locker as an example to the rest of the school but as they walk over the camera pans and reveals that karen's locker has been spray painted in white letters slut the teacher crumples up the essay much to sam's dismay because the teacher's just fed up with it at this point 
I'd have been so pissed. Yeah. Karen asked Sam if he did this. And Kim comes to his rescue about this time and says that she did it because Karen is a slut. Karen's like, well, he hit on me. And she's like, well, that's fine. After school, I'm going to be hitting on you too. (laughs) Karen walks off one direction and Sam thanks Kim for her help. And she says, no problem, geek, as she walks off smiling. Episode five, tests and breasts. So on the verge of flunking and having to repeat his math class, Daniel ends up pleading with Lindsay to help him cheat on his next test. But of course she won't because she's still got morals and instead offers to tutor him on some math quote unquote shortcuts. A word he interprets as Lindsay's code for cheating, which is not what she had in mind. When he comes over to her house later that night, which I was shocked that her parents let him in her bedroom (laughs) uh, to do this tutoring. But anyways, uh, when he finds out that she wants to teach him math, like actually learning how to do math, he goes back to his standard routine, enlisting Nick's help to help steal a copy of the test, then asking Lindsay again to help him with the answer. Answers. She asks Kowchevsky because she says, oh, I'm super good friends with him. I had his class. I did great in his class. I was on the mathletes team. I'm sure he'll give you an extension. He'll totally understand. So when she goes into Kowchevsky's office to get Daniel that extension, he dismisses Daniel as a loser. And then that fires up Lindsay to like no end. And so she is ready to help Daniel cheat because screw this guy. But She makes the mistake of giving him all the correct answers, which I pointed out when we were watching this. You never... Okay, kids, listen. Make good choices, but if you don't, be smart about them. Listen, you don't do all the right answers. You only do some right answers to get them to pass. Anyways, Kalchevsky is immediately sauce AF, (laughs) telling Lindsay that he got an anonymous note. He confronts her in the hallway. It's really weird, but he says that this anonymous note said that she helped Daniel to cheat. Lindsay is of course gobsmacked at this. She's gasping. She's never been in trouble before and she goes back and forth on whether to stick to the lie or to just confess. She's really torn up about this but also like screw that teacher, he's an asshole. She still believes Daniel has potential if he's just willing to apply himself but when Kim tells her bluntly that Daniel will never apply himself and will always just look for a way around the system and find someone else to cheat off of, she decides that she's ready to confess. So after learning that Kowchevsky is accusing Lindsay of helping Daniel, Mr. Rosso pulls Lindsay into his office to try to get her to confess. He tells an anecdote of his own experience helping a fellow classmate cheat. And then he decided to stop helping him cheat and he got the absolute shit kicked out of him. Uh, And uh, Frank, there's a quote here about that. I mean, I shit my pants (laughs) sideways for a week. Thanks. Lindsay comes to Daniel saying that she's ready to confess and Daniel ends up dragging her into an empty shop classroom where he inspires her with this big speech about how he wishes he was smart like her and his future was decided for him in junior high when the kids were divided into three tracks. Track one was for smart kids like Lindsay. Track two was for average kids. Track three was for presumed dummies like Daniel. He says, you know, how would you feel about being track three? So she is convinced again to try to lie. Also, that stupid teacher starts calling the house and letting Lindsay's parents know that he has caught her cheating, even though he doesn't have any proof as of yet, other than this quote-unquote anonymous note, which we later find out in an exchange with 
Rosso and Kalchevsky, the note was just a ploy that he made up to try to get kids to confess to cheating. So it's really, really shitty. The day comes when the meeting with Kalchevsky and Rosso and Lindsay's parents and things start to go a little south. Kalchevsky gives him an ultimatum that if he can fill out the first answer on the test, he will drop the charges, like the, the accusation that he cheated. Homeboy Daniel sits there and he's doodling and yeah, he doesn't do the test. He just hands it back and it's like Zeppelin rocks or something. And this causes Lindsay to absolutely crack. She starts laughing hysterically at the realization of how well Daniel played her and used her. And she's not going to make that mistake again, hopefully, at this point. <laughs> Which brings us to a subplot or a story B plot. Basically, I gave you the rundown of story A. It was a little bit too confusing if we split it up, so we decided to just condense it uh, into separate ones. And Erica will take you on that journey. So yeah, as Sly explained, there is a B plot to this story. And Sam is humiliated when Coach Fredericks invites him up to the board in sex ed class and he can't even point to the vagina on the anatomy diagram. The other kids throughout the episode start calling him Dr. Love. And when all three geeks realize they don't understand a joke about a horny quadruple amputee finding a way to ring a doorbell, they decide it's time to seek some extracurricular sex education. First with Harris, who refuses to explain the joke. Then Sam starts looking over anatomy textbooks. Finally, Sam ends up getting loaned a porn film from Daniel and the three boys sit around and watch it together in a basement. It disgusts Sam and Bill so much they don't even really want to be around girls anymore. Neil is absolutely fascinated with this role of film and wants to watch it again when it's over. Earlier in the episode, Cindy asks Sam if he is going to attend the muscular dystrophy carnival. And Frank, there is a quote here about me questioning the name of this carnival. What the fuck carnival? <laughs> Thanks. Sam initially volunteers to help her at the ice cream booth. She says that she already has a volunteer helping her. As the episode progresses, uh, she comes back and asks if he is still interested in volunteering because the girl who was going to help can't make it anymore. Sam also ends up making a bogus excuse. At some point within the episode, Coach Frederick's alarmed by a question that Sam asks in class. It might be about the amputee joke. Ends up pulling Sam into his office and giving him a very candid, non-technical private lesson on the birds and the bees. Music plays over it so we don't know what the coach actually says to him. But you can tell by the end of the conversation, Sam feels a lot more relieved about the situation and is even able to be around girls again and helps volunteer for the carnival and we see him painting banners with Cindy. Yes. But yeah, we're moving on to the last episode in the stint, which is episode six. I'm with the band. This episode opens with Nick and he is off in his own little world. His rush world. Yeah. <laughs> Playing this huge drum set. We've learned that it's been moved into his basement. We see Nick's father briefly come down the stairs and look on almost in disgust as Nick is playing. He's got the lights off. He's got flashing lights playing. He's got headphones on. He's in these teeny tiny beautiful little green shorts and he is just loving life and Nick's father is just absolutely perturbed by the situation. Perturbed is a great word. After it comes back from the theme song, the second plot of this episode is introduced early that freshman Jim will now start including mandatory showers, much to <laughs> Sam's dismay due to his small size. He is much shorter than the rest of his classmates. Throughout the episode, he starts plotting ways to avoid having to take the shower, including wetting his hair in the sink one time, hiding in stalls another day. At one point, he begs to be sent to the nurse, etc. And that storyline is kind of sprinkled throughout. And then we'll come back to how that ends later. 
At lunch that day, Nick sets plans for band rehearsal for an upcoming Battle of the Bands audition. I think he said that if they win, the prize is like 300 bucks. Which back then, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. Especially for a group of teenagers. Yeah. It cuts to later in the day at this band practice and Kim and Lindsay are sitting on couches watching as the boys practice. This band is not good. One bit. Not one iota. No. They can't stay on beat. Well, they're on beat, I guess. Just not the beat. For everyone in this band, with the exception of Nick, this is just a way to goof off and have fun to pass some time. And Nick takes Mm -hmm. this band very seriously. And it was discussed, I guess, at lunch that day that they don't even really have a name for the band. Nick has an idea. I think he likes calling them creation. And all the other boys laugh this off. And so Nick gets Lindsay to tell the rest of the group her idea for band names. All of these get shut down pretty quickly because the boys are jerks. Nick's father comes home and chides Nick for rehearsing past five o'clock. All the teens slip out to go grab burgers and Lindsay decides to wait on Nick in the basement and overhear as he goes upstairs and hears his father tell him that he wants the drums out of the basement and needs him to get better grades and has plans to have him shipped off to join the army despite Nick's dreams of becoming a famous drummer. Deterred, Nick comes back to the basement, finds that Lindsay's been waiting for him, tries to get her to leave. She says that she overheard everything and really tries her best to give Nick a pep talk. They leave together to go join up with the rest of the friends. Yeah, it's really sad. I, f- I hate it when parents are like this. I don't understand it. I- I'll never be able to understand it. Don't make no sense to me. Especially when he's not like doing anything bad necessarily. Except for apparently making poor grades. Yeah, but get him a tutor. Practicing after 5 p.m. because the father is home. Well, I don't agree with the house rules. I'm just saying that's the only argument that I could find is this is what he's quoting yeah. wrong. I mean, he could be out doing heroin but you know whatever smoking pot left and right oh he is Eh, i don't really think pots no i'm just saying to the army father yeah that's a that's a big thing even though you know they're probably doing i don't know who god knows what when his father was in the army Mm -hmm. but we don't talk about that i think the army honestly would be a worse influence than what he's doing now because that culture is so fucking toxic anyways the next day after school Lindsay shows up at nick's house for band practice to learn that the rest of the band is out buying car parts for kim's car and just blew nick off completely Lindsay tells Nick, the band is good, but they really need to practice and work harder if they want to win the Battle of the Bands. He tells her that Daniel isn't really into practicing, but she encourages him by reminding him that it is his band and he has control over it. So during the actual band practice, Nick finally stands up to his friends and says that they need to practice the song again. The freaks really gave him an attitude. Wait, they should just be called the freaks. Who knows what comes up next? Ooh, that'd be kind of cool. Anyways, they give him the attitude and blow him off and say, oh, you're being too serious about this you're killing the fun and nick says Lindsay was right and he says this in front of everybody all of so they yeah. all blame Lindsay immediately and she's like no i didn't uh oh this is not what i meant but okay and he says that the guys don't care and that he's tired of sucking at everything in his life and the band starts to play the song again but it's clear that they don't sincerely want to be playing the song again their performance weakens and one by one the band members just leave the basement disbanding the band the next day at school Lindsay finds ken sitting alone in the smoker's patio. He serves her a load of snark, like a whole load of snark. Thanks her for breaking up the band and walks off. Daniel strolls up and tells Lindsay that Nick won't make it as a drummer and to let him have some fun before he gets shipped off, which is really not a good friend. Not a good friend. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I already don't like Daniel. Mm-hmm. I understand that most of these kids don't know what it is to dream, especially after we mm-hmm. learned in the last episode about track one, track two, and track three, which is a load of bullshit, but- But probably did happen, let's be honest. Right. But I don't think that 
the friend should be talking about Nick behind his back. No. If it matters to him, then it should be important to the rest of them, you know? Yeah. That's my thing about, like, I don't know, for my friends, if you want to, like, do something, like, I'm going to support you in it. Yeah. Just like, hey, you want to do a podcast? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I already don't like Daniel, and then this particular moment really pissed me off. Or you could help him be successful, and so he doesn't get shipped off. Yeah. Just a thought. So after school, Lindsay visits Nick again. As he's mowing grass, she asks why he cut English class and he said that the whole band disbanding was really getting to him so he just wanted to come home. And Mm -hmm. she tells him he shouldn't be so upset about the band breaking up because he was the only one trying to be professional and all the others were just goofing off. He's like, well, I still don't have a band. She's like, well, you could try out for this one and gives him a flyer for a band who is holding auditions for a new drummer. It's a band Uh he recognized and had seen previously. When he saw them, they, they opened for someone else and they were fantastic and the headline or couldn't actually follow them. Mm-hmm. So this absolutely delights him and he jumps over the fence to hug her. I am already <laughs> into this character, but as soon as this tall ass man hurdled a fence like it was nothing, I was all aboard. And Frank, there is a quote here about it. Oh, did you see him jump that fence? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I fucking did. Don't you fucking worry. <laughs> My brain got the vibe that I was about to see some long legs be used in the right way. And my brain went, stay alert. It was like a donkey. He didn't even have to get a run and start. No. And I don't know how this is backing up on its own. That was weird as fuck, man. That's crazy. Oh, he didn't even jump the sharp part of the fence. He jumped the fucking post. He jumped the fucking post. Right? He's lightheaded again. Did he jump the fucking post? Yeah, I think he did. Look at him. He got hops. No, he jumped yeah! the- Yeah! Uh, oh. Uh, don't. Uh, I'm lightheaded. I should eat something. Thanks. Thanks. So that evening at dinner, Sam is complaining to his parents about having to shower at gym. And this turned out into the to be some of the most awkward oh. <laughs> like lines of this entire show that we've seen so far. They try to encourage him by telling him he has a beautiful body. And they make Lindsay tell him he's got a beautiful body. Lindsay, Lindsay, tell your brother he's got a beautiful body. And that all Sam needs to do in the locker room is tell the other boys that he's proud of his body. I want to know what university's parents came from if they think this is a good idea, but here we are. The next day, Nick and Lindsay go to this band audition. And at first, the band is very impressed with him because he mentions that the drum set that they have there is a little qu- qu- a little smaller than the one he's got at home. He tells them it's a 29-piece kit. They're like, wow, like we should be auditioning for you. And Nick goes to sit behind the drums and unfortunately he is unable to keep up with the tempo of the songs they want him to play his playing's a little sloppy but to be fair they said all right man pick the song and then they changed the song yeah i think he picked the band and they're like great let's do this song and nick goes well, what about this one which is the one he's been practicing all episode long and yeah. the one guy goes oh i hate that song we're not gonna do it so it's like yeah i agree with you that's shitty like it, that's not what it's about here bro it's like three minutes of your life suck it up yeah. That's unprofessional of them, to be fair. Yeah, so Nick is unable to keep up with the tempo and absolutely shits the bed at this audition. Outside, after the audition, Nick is sulking about the impending fate of having to go to the army after school. And Lindsay is still trying to cheer him up and says that these musicians are five years older than him. And in five years and with more practice, Nick will be even better 
than he is now and then the other guys in that band and she mm-hmm. offers to tutor him and help with his grades they finally have their first finally. kiss and it's so sweet because you could tell it is. he really really wanted to kiss her for a while now it's so cute maybe he'd gotten that kiss sooner if he didn't try to unhook her bra without her consent just shout out for you boys out there something to think on something to chew on but yeah it's super super cute at school sam decides to face his fear of the gym shower and bullies he says He's proud of his body and proudly proclaims it. And so the bullies decide that he should show everybody and shove him out into the hallway in only a towel. After banging on the door in an attempt to get the coach's attention, Alan opens the door and takes the towel off of Sam, resulting in him being butt-ass naked in this hallway. He starts running because he's panicking and trying to find a teacher or some help. And it's misconstrued as streaking throughout the school for everyone to see including cindy his crush but i think only from the backside because he saw her then he u-turned real quick and she only heard about it the geeks agree that if she saw him it was most likely out of her peripheral and he was probably fine yeah we cut back to nick and he takes Lindsay on a walk and he says that he can't stop thinking about their kiss that they shared and though Lindsay seems a little awkward about it he tells her that the freaks are no longer fighting and the geeks walk home together alan shows up to try to give them hell about the streaking adventure and then about that time a whole jeep Like, out of a a 14-year-old's, like, wet dream, a whole jeep full of cheerleaders pull up, including Cindy, stop and cheer for Sam, saying that he's a badass for streaking in the school. This pisses off Alan to no end, and then the episode ends the way it began, and Nicholas in his short shorts jamming the hell out on his drums. I'm loving this show as we've sprinkled throughout the whole thing. I hope that's evident in the way we're talking about it, because as I mentioned at the very top, watching firefly and serenity felt like holding my breath the whole time Mm -hmm. this just feels good it just feels good to watch the firefly thing felt like oh god what's next what else is gonna drop that's gonna make me regret liking this so much yeah but this is just a fun ride Uh, like i said i mean not everything aged well but i don't feel like it was put there with malicious intent well i guess i shouldn't say this without knowing this for sure so i'll i'll go ahead and say this with the caveat of i will do more reading into it to make sure and i will correct myself Mm -hmm. next week if i have to but Mm -hmm. i don't feel like judd apatow is nearly as nasty Uh, is that the creator of the show the creator okay i I don't know who that is i'm gonna be honest i don't judd apatow has done a bajillion things yeah, he is the founder of Apatow Productions. He is a director, producer, screenwriter, and comedian. He wrote and produced and directed The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, Funny People, This Is 40, Trainwreck, and The King of Staten Island. Superbad, Heavyweights, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, My Love, Anchorman. Anchorman? Yep. This man made Anchorman? If you love a movie, he probably had his hand in it. And I'm hearing Seth Rogen over and over and over again. So, and he's married to Leslie Mann, who is the lead in George of the Jungle. And she's been in a hundred million things as well. Gotcha. For something like this that is so brilliantly written and captivates what it is to be a teenager in high school. Mm-hmm. From this person versus the bullshit Joss Whedon wiped on a piece of toilet paper and called a TV show. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, I get what you're saying. 
Episode 14, I'm telling you, fucking done the whole thing. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it and I'm excited to continue on. And I think we've sung its praises more than enough. Yeah. So we have an announcement mm-hmm. we want to talk about. We did a guest spot that should be coming out shortly. Yeah, this episode comes out on a Monday and I think it should be out tomorrow. But just to give the other person some space, it should be this week. But absolutely just watch our socials, our Twitter and our Instagram. Yeah, we're not pressuring you, Jerry. We love you. <laughs> For our guest appearance on our friend jerry's podcast a totally rad christmas we had such a blast discussing (laughs) it was so fun discussing rudolph and frosty's christmas in july he's got some cool segments that he does at the end of the show that you'll have to check out and hear us do Mm -hmm. thanks again jerry for having us on i love jerry you can tune in we talk about laura dern We talk about Frosty's ability to count, about how it's cool to like snort things in dressing rooms. <laughs> We're, this is our show, so we can say it snort things and dressing rooms when you're depressed it's a great time yeah so yeah it should be out this week watch our socials for sure we'll definitely be plugging that when it's out and speaking of our socials our twitter and instagram you can follow either or both and we're at bitch watch pod both locations yeah and my stuff is at bean.buttrito on instagram if you want to find me on twitter drop the dot my instagram is witzy12 w-h-i-t-z-y 12 and then my twitter is ec underscore witzy C-W-H-I-T-Z-Y. Yeah. Uh, you should leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and word of mouth, of course. Yeah. But remember to make good choices. Like not giving all the correct answers all at once on a test that you're cheating on. She's an amateur cheater. It's It happens. He's not, though. He should have caught that. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>